Do you love Austin's parks and trails? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Austin Parks Cast by Austin Parks Foundation. Meet me outside. Meet me outside, my dear. I want to be. Hey y'all, welcome to the Austin Parks Cast. Just in case you missed the trailer, let me tell you a little bit about this brand new podcast before we start the episode. The Austin Parks Cast will be your go-to source for all things parks. We'll tackle tough topics related to our city's park system with subject matter experts, invite a few guests to give us their take, and highlight important local parks news as well as a little further out of town. In our first episode of season one, we're taking you back in time to May 2020. This session originated as a live stream video titled Six Feet a Park, COVID Safety in Parks. You see what we did there? This discussion is focused on keeping parks open on both a city and state level, with an emphasis on doing our part to keep each other safe in the midst of COVID-19. Though this session is from May of 2020, much of it is still relevant today as we continue to deal with COVID-19. We hope some of these tips will help you stay safe out in the parks. Our guests include Rodney Franklin, Director of Texas Parks and Wildlife, Kimberly McNeely, Director of the Austin Parks and Recreation Department, and Austin Parks Foundation CEO, Colin Wallace. As a reminder, you'll find links to presentations and more information in our episode notes. All right, Kathleen, let's jump in. Let's get started. My name is Colin Wallace. I'm the CEO of the Austin Parks Foundation. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're here to talk, uh, I believe the, the session's called Six Feet Apart, but uh, I think we've all learned in the last couple months uh, a lot of things, but certainly uh, the importance of parks in all of our lives. And so um, we're here today and I'm honored to be joined by Rodney Franklin from Texas Parks and Wildlife and Kimberly McNeely uh, from the City of Austin Parks and Recreation Department to talk about kind of the state of parks, how we can continue to use them safely so that they remain open for everyone. Because I think we'd all agree that, uh, like I said, parks are more important uh, now than ever before. So uh, I am, my guests today are, the, the wealth of experience between them is pretty impressive. Uh, I was doing some math and and it's a lot of years in the, in the parks and rec space. So, I will, I will first let Kimberly McNeely, the director of uh, the, the City of Austin Parks and Recreation Department, just sort of give a quick uh, background on her and the, and the organization that she runs. Hi, my name's Kimberly McNeely, as Austin told, or Austin, I'm sorry, as Colin told you, and I work for the Austin Parks and Recreation Department, I serve as their director. Um, we have about 300 parks, 20,000 acres of land, 200 miles of trail. And um, through this entire event, it has become um, overwhelmingly apparent that the Parks Department and the Park System, and that includes everyone, not just Austin, is, um, is very much loved by the community and very much used by the community. And I believe that um, although we are not necessarily considered an essential service in the bigger picture, that it's certainly essential for many people to be able to use the system for their mental health, um, for their own 
physical health and then also you know for some spiritual health also and so i'm i'm honored and proud to be a part of a department that can provide that relief to so many individuals and i hope today i can talk a little bit about how we can continue to do that safely and perhaps learn a few things from um, my colleagues about how um, i might be able to implement ways in which people will better be able to enjoy our park system in this time thanks Thank for inviting me colin yeah, thanks for being here and just having worked really closely with your department for a long time now. You, you've got a, you've, you guys do an amazing job. You have a huge team and a huge uh, uh, asset under your belt that we're we're all very proud to have. And Rodney, I'll I'll push it over to you. And and I I think by my count, you've now been at uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife for pretty close to thirty years. Uh, and uh, when you give your background, make sure you tell everyone where Powderly, Texas is. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Colin. I appreciate that. It sounds like you've been talking to a few of my, my colleagues. Uh, yes, I, I started with Texas Parks and Wildlife and State Parks uh, when I was in high school. So it is it has been nearly 30 years that I've been working for this fantastic organization uh, that connects people to the outdoors and gives people um connects people to uh, outdoor recreation, gives them an outlet and an opportunity to enjoy nature and enjoy wildlife. Um, and certainly I've been fortunate to, to work with over 1,300 employees, uh, starting out as a seasonal worker and a superintendent, regional director, and then deputy director before becoming the director about two years ago. So uh, very fortunate. And one thing I've I've learned over those years is that uh, people are very passionate about parks. Uh, people love getting outside and they love getting outdoors. And uh, this has been a, a different few months for us, for sure, uh, where we've uh, bit, had to challenge ourselves to develop new ways to connect people to outdoor recreation safely and responsibly. So um, learning from our partners um, across the United States on, on things that are going on, but certainly glad to be here and, and talk about state parks, one of my, my favorite topics. So thank you for having me, Colin. Yeah, and I'll, I'll sort of jump right in, Rodney, and I'd, I'd sort of ask you in terms of kind of safety protocol and, and practices, you know, what are you seeing out there as kind of best practices when it comes to, to sort of enjoying parks and, and keeping yourself and others safe? Well, I, I think it's important. And one thing we've, we've kind of uh, latched on to, uh, Colin, is the, the advice of medical experts across the country and, and in this great state of Texas, just listening to the best practices with regard uh, to educating our staff and educating our visitors uh, about um, hand washing techniques and the frequency of hand washing, having uh, cleaning supplies readily available, uh, as well as hand sanitizer, and then educating uh, our staff uh, on the importance of social and physical distancing, as well as encouraging that from our, our visitors. Um, and so those um, um, techniques have, have served us well. We've uh, been able to, in the month of March, we had over 850,000 visitors to, to state parks. Um, and so uh, um, having those visitors in state parks during the pandemic was was a challenge for us, but we kept to those techniques. Uh, we Our staff is modeling good behavior by wearing face covering, and then we're encouraging uh, visitors to do that as well, to wear uh, uh, those face coverings. So all of those things combined um, uh, 
in addition to a lot more where we're uh, making some operational changes to encourage social distancing. So uh, some capacity limits and, and things like that. And we've had to make some tough decisions to uh, Colin to uh, with regard to access. But it was all in the name of keeping our visitors and our staff safe. Yeah, thanks. And I think, you know, Kimberly, I'd ask you the same question. It sounds like you guys are sort of in the, in the same space. Um, be curious to hear your experience in that regard as well. Yeah, um, I think that Rodney, uh, with Texas Parks and Wildlife and the Austin Parks and Recreation Department, that we followed um, some of the same guidelines that he that he was able to explain. Um, we tried very hard as a department to message that through you know, social media, through signage within the park system that you know shows pictures of what appropriate social distancing looks like, um, shows pictures of folks wearing masks and. And very um, simple language helps people understand why that might be a, an important or an option for individuals to to adhere to while they're in the park system to keep them safe. Um, we've tried to provide individuals an opportunity to learn about other parks within our park system because, of course, there's some of those iconic places that people are absolutely aware of. But we have lesser known parks that are equally as beautiful. That's now now is a great time to explore those spaces and get to know a new park and, and maybe it becomes your new favorite. And it, it allows people to have an opportunity to not only learn something new, but then also maintain that social distancing and, and um, have an, a park experience that um, both healthy and, and productive for them. Um, we've tried flyers to help educate individuals. And I want to just um, reiterate what Rodney said is that we also ask our staff to model all of those behaviors so that people understand um, when our park rangers are out and about in the park spaces, they're trying very hard to, to model and to provide education and answer questions about why are some of these rules and regulations in place and what's, what, what's in it for the, for the park patron? Why will that be um, something that will help the park patron better enjoy their experience. Well, you know, just a huge thanks to both of you from, you know, really everyone, but I know certainly uh, in both your organizations, the frontline employees that are out there enforcing these, you know, changes and uh, keeping parks open and bathrooms open and uh, doing all the work that is required that the public can enjoy these spaces. Um, I don't think I've ever appreciated sort of frontline staff as much uh, as I do now. So, you know, on behalf of everyone, thanks to both of you. Um, Kimberly, you had a pretty, pretty infamous incident uh, a few weeks ago in terms of uh, enforcement. Uh, but Rodney, I'd sort of throw that question to you uh, in terms of, you know, what have you seen or how have you guys gone about enforcing um, these changes that have happened pretty rapidly in a in a pretty complicated environment where a lot of times people just don't even know what it is they're supposed to be doing or what has changed. Um, I'd be curious to know how y'all handle enforcement. Well, um, I think it starts, Colin, with just like Kimberly said, and for us, it starts with education. <laughs> we want to inform the public. Um, we use every media that we, we have at our disposal, whether it be on the ground uh, or also um, social media, like Kimberly mentioned, uh, and some of our messaging through that um, uh, aspect has been helpful for us and just encouraging folks 
to comply and, and inform them of why these rules are in place uh, and visiting with them uh, on, on site. Uh, and then also just modeling that behavior as well. What we found, Colin, is that uh, a, a lot of people, uh, this, this pandemic has been hard on everyone. Uh, and folks do want to get outside and they do want to th- do some things that they really are not, cannot do right now. So when you have that, sometimes uh, patient, patience runs a little thin. Uh, and so we have to, um, our, our staff is doing a fantastic job just being patient and explaining to people even when they're, they're upset. So um, that's the one thing uh, I'd like everybody to keep in mind is that we're, we're going to get through this at the, uh, on the other side. And we will be back to operating state parks like we have before, at least in some aspect. It may be a little bit different. Uh, so for the main, most part, we just try to continue to educate people um, and let folks know and, and be patient with them and ask that they uh, are patient with us. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's great to hear. And, you know, I would just say to everybody out there listening, you know, I think, as I said earlier, I think all of the staff at, at both of your organizations is really doing everything in their power to make sure these spaces stay open and usable for, for everyone. And, you know, keeping that in mind when you when you go out there to the park or, uh, you know, wherever it may be, uh, goes a long way. So, um you know, I think part of the reason, certainly, uh, I've seen anecdotally that uh, we've seen such a high usage is because this pandemic came at a really fantastic time of year in Austin, Texas. Uh, but as you both know, if you've been outside today, uh, we're about to be in this little time called summer. Um, and uh, I'm curious, uh, you both have pretty significant summer programming and uh, kind of, uh, I'll ask Kimberly first. Uh, you know, what can we expect for uh, summer in the city of Austin parks? So the Parks and Recreation Department works very uh, closely with the health authorities in Travis County and with the Austin um, Public Health Department. And we are eagerly awaiting um, information about the local characteristics of the virus and how the virus um, is, is maybe being stable or how it's reacting to the recent reopening of Texas. And based upon the data that uh, our Austin Public Health and Health Authorities are able to provide us, um, it is the Parks and Recreation Department's intention to incrementally and carefully uh, begin to reestablish our operations, just like Rodney said, to get back to normal. Um, But we'll be asking for patience among among all of our, our patrons to know that you know, it, because it will be incremental and careful uh, that it won't be exactly the way that uh, we won't be resuming everything exactly the way it was or that you might remember for the summer. But certainly we want to work our way back to everybody getting an opportunity to enjoy the park system. And so we might be looking at things like you've already we've already experienced capacities. And so we might be looking at you know our facilities and some of our parks uh, that are heavily used um, maintaining certain capacity levels that don't exceed, you know, 50% or some percentage to make sure that we're able to carefully maintain social distancing and provide for the appropriate cleaning and sanitization of that particular facility. Um, We might be looking at um, modified operations in a way that you're used to being able to, by way of example, go on lots of field trips when you come to summer camp. 
But, you know, if the CDC and the American Camping Association tells us that that's probably not the best option right now, well, then we're going to have to modify those kinds of activities. Or perhaps we're going to be providing things virtually. So we might still be able to go on a caving trip, but it will be uh, through a virtual experience. So we want to be creative in how we offer um, our programming and how we reestablish um, the opportunities. But I, I do want to let people know that it is our goal to get back to quote unquote normal, but it will be in incremental steps and it will be in a way that we believe that we can provide that particular activity as safely and as healthy as possible. Well, thank you. Uh, I know the governor has a press conference scheduled in a few minutes, and I'm guessing that both of your organizations will uh, probably take a lot from what he says. Um, Rodney, I'd just ask you to sort of pile on to what Kimberly said in terms of state parks, what you guys are seeing for uh, the upcoming summer. Yes, Colin, I appreciate that. And, and first of all, uh, Kimberly said that so well, because I think some of the most important, one of the most important things to remember is that we're relying on some experts uh, to help guide our behavior. So we're going to rely on those medical and health and safety officials uh, for those guidelines and recommendations. We're going to rely on subject matter experts. We're going to rely on our partners like Kimberly uh, to, to help guide us in, in those activities. Um, and so um, that's why it's hard to definitively say today what will or won't occur, because so much of that will be driven by the data and so much of this will be driven by the experts and uh, the folks we rely on to make sound, safe, responsible decisions as to, to what we will um, what we will have at our parks and what we will not, because again, at the end of the day, it's about safety of our visitors and our our staff. Um, so we made the decision uh, quite some time ago to um, stop our uh, interpretive programs um, because it's hard to uh, ensure social distancing and it's hard to um, uh, have those smaller crowds. Uh, but that just meant we changed the way we deliver those programs. Just like Kimberly said, we're doing a lot of um, distance learning. We're doing a lot of virtual tours. Uh, we're doing a lot of camp in uh, programs where we uh, engage with the public virtually uh, and provide them that experience. We are able to bring a park to them at home uh, rather than rather than them going out to a park. So those are the types of things that we're we're. Uh, kind of altering to, to still provide that service. But as the summer goes on, uh, our hope is to um, incrementally and gradually, just like Kim said, reintroduce uh, certain aspects depending on uh, the progression of the pandemic or the virus and, and what our colleagues and us experts in state health uh, services dictate. Well, again, I want to say a huge thanks to both of you. I think it goes without saying that this is a maybe the most fluid situation I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it's life or death, you know, and we're you guys are dealing with this in real time and trying to make really difficult decisions that are literally life and death. And so I appreciate that both of you are looking at this from such a pragmatic perspective and contemplating science and medical directive and uh, public safety as the number one priority because it's it's really important and 
you know, as we said from the outset, people getting out into parks, be it state parks or local parks, is only going to continue to be uh, super important. So um, I'm curious, uh, Kimberly, we again, we obviously work really closely with you guys. Um, we're, we're on the eve of the budget cycle beginning uh, for the city. Um, and we're in a time when y'all are having to innovate, both of you, uh, significantly, which generally isn't a cheaper way of doing business. Um, and I can only guess, based on what's going on in the world right now, that the budgets are going to continue to get tighter and tighter. And so curious what you guys are seeing and what you're thinking as the, the budget process unfolds uh, for this next fiscal year. Yeah, so the Austin Parks and Recreation Department has been, as Colin has said, we work very closely with the Austin Parks Foundation, but we also have a number of other partners. And so one of the things that the Parks and Recreation Department for Austin has has been exploring is the opportunity to partner more with other agencies, nonprofit agencies, and then also other um, government agencies to more efficiently and effectively provide the services that um that people so much love. And so is there a way for us to um, work with conservancies? Is there a way for us to work with our partners in Travis County Parks or in Texas Parks and Wildlife to be able to offer opportunities so that the services and the, um, the opportunities within the park system are still provided, but maybe they're provided in a more efficient and effective way. And so um, the budget is heavy. It is weighing, I'm not going to lie, it's weighing a little bit heavy on our mind because we want to, as you can imagine, the entire team that I work with is is very proud of what it is that we're able to give back to the community of Austin and to up to our visitors and to, to the surrounding area. And um, in no way do we ever want to diminish that quality or that level of service. Uh, but we think that maybe um, partnerships and other and other exploring maybe creative ways in which those things are offered will become um, will become a way of the future, so that the services and the quality doesn't isn't diminished, um, but it's just provided uh, in partnership with other individuals, and it's provided in a way that is seamless. The, the public may not even know that until we start to announce that, hey, look at this great partner in the Austin Parks Foundation, or look at this great partner in the Texas Parks and Wildlife, who in collaboration with the city of Austin is now bringing this really great experience to you. So we'll be looking, we'll be looking there and we'll also be looking for efficiencies within our system. You know, perhaps, perhaps we're doing things that are not as efficient as they could be. And, and if there's ways for us to just incrementally um, make small changes to our operations, which then saves us um, a certain amount of money, then we can reallocate that to other things and, and continue to be a healthy and solid organization. Well, as you know, we will we'll be right there with you guys, making sure uh, we do everything we can to protect our uh, protect our parks budgets. Rodney, I, if uh, memory serves me correctly, the legislature is going to be back in session soon. So what? Uh, what are you guys seeing? What are you thinking about in terms of uh, uh, budgets for the Texas and Parks and Wildlife Department? Well, certainly, Colin, we're, we're starting to think about that and, um, and trying to, just like Kimberly said, uh, really look, take a look at our, our finances right now and, and make sure that we have everything in, in place to ensure uh, public safety. Um, and then moving forward, we're, we're just going to, it's really a little too early to tell. Uh, what the full impact is going to be, but uh, certainly we're starting to to, to look uh, really hard at at things and make sure that 
we have some measures in place that can uh, allow us to be as efficient as possible and also leverage uh, other opportunities with partners and grants and other uh, sources of funding uh, as they become available. We're certainly going to try to take advantage of, of every aspect of that that we can as well, just moving forward, just because that's the the prudent thing to do. Uh, and then as far as uh, the impact on the budget, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out and, and keep an eye on it. But rest assured, we, we will do everything we can to uh, make sure that we don't compromise uh, visitor safety and public safety and also access to the outdoors. Because uh, it, it is definitely true that uh, Texas needs uh, outdoor uh, nature now more than ever. So we're going to continue to try to provide that in every way possible. Um, so, I, you know, I think the Austin Parks Foundation, uh, you know, our focus from the very beginning was really uh, leveraging volunteers in the parks. Um, and that's kind of been the DNA of what we've done for a long time, 30 years now. Um, I, you know, and I obviously work closely with Kimberly, but I'm curious sort of how you're seeing, uh, volunteerism in state parks and what you see as the, as the future of us sort of short and long term there, um, in terms of volunteers. Well, uh, certainly Colin state parks has a strong and robust, uh, park host programs. We completely, uh, not completely, but we rely so heavily on our volunteers across the state that provide services from interpretive programs uh, to maintenance. Uh, we have some very skilled uh, folks that come to us as, as parkos, but even administratively, administratively and in a customer service capacity, we rely on our parkos and volunteers and partners. We have so many programs that Without those, we really would not be able to function. Uh, so many of our volunteers help us maintain and, and operate our state park. So it's a critical service that they provide for us. So for us, we're going to continue to try to, to leverage that um, side of our operation. We're going to continue to try to do some outreach and, and look for folks that are willing to volunteer and willing to help. We have found that even through this pandemic, um, while we had a few less volunteers than we normally have for a, a variety of reasons. We had a lot of volunteers that were key and instrumental and continue to, to serve the public and continue to allow access or keep parks open. Uh, so they were very critical and they will continue to be critical. So we're going to we're going to reach out and make sure that people know about the opportunities that exist in our park host program and some of our other volunteer programs and other ways that folks can contribute and we're going to try to leverage that to the to the largest extent possible. Kimberly, I'd, I'd throw it to you on that on this you know just the subject of volunteerism as well. What are you seeing? What are you guys thinking in terms of uh, how volunteerism plays a role uh, in the parks department moving forward? So so just like Rodney said, we have a pretty strong volunteer base that is already helping us coaching children in youth sports, they're serving as docents. Um, you know how strong the Adopt-A-Park program is that the Austin Parks Foundation has helped foster and how, the, how those individuals who are part of that come out and participate in regular cleanups and regular for beautifications of our parks. And so we'll be continuing to do all of that. If I could just take a moment, I know that this might not specifically answer the question, but I do wanna take a moment to let um, our community know that 
there are a number of volunteers that even through this pandemic and through this COVID event, who are helping some of our most vulnerable populations with food distribution. And they're doing that through the Parks and Recreation Department and through the city of Austin. Food distribution to families who may need that. Food distribution to, um, to our senior citizens who are, you know, who are not able to get out because they are, they are um, considered a vulnerable population, especially in this time. And then also um, food distribution to individuals experiencing homelessness and um, providing um, services such as being meal runners to those individuals who are perhaps staying in um, protective spaces because they're, they're um, quarantining from, from, this, um, from this pandemic. And it, without those volunteers, the city of Austin wouldn't be able to provide some of our most vulnerable populations and much needed service. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is that not only do our volunteers come out for the everyday park stuff, but they also step up um, in the, in the situation where we're, we're having a crisis and they're still willing to continue to help um, the park system and people who utilize the park system, but just in a completely different way um, during the event. And I, I'm very thankful to all those individuals. Yeah, that's well said. Um, you know, I think uh, never appreciated volunteers more more than right now. Um, and it's good to hear from both of you and hopefully the folks at home are hearing that, you know, volunteers are really important. People rely on them and uh, uh, there are a lot of opportunities. So I highly encourage folks to uh, continue that volunteer spirit. It's, it's important for all of us. Um, you know, I, I would just ask kind of to give, and, and Rodney, I'll start with you. Um, in terms of amenities, I know camping is a big one for you. Hunting is obviously on the horizon uh, in state parks. Sort of what's the current state? Um, uh, what does that look like for y'all right now um, uh, in terms of things that are open, things that are closed, how you're sort of managing closed and open amenities? I appreciate that uh, question, uh, Colin. This is an important one because uh, the steps we've taken um, are really in concert with, uh, the, like I said, the recommendations of, of the experts. But uh, a lot of our group uh, facilities and group activities are, are, are not available right now. Um, and we don't we don't have a timeline for those. Um, and a, a lot of our visitor centers are closed. Um, but we, um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, the strategy to uh, introduce some of these a little bit later, but our, our visitor centers are closed. Um, depending on a park, uh, some of the amenities may, may change just a little bit uh, because of how the park is laid out or how it's set up. Some, um, some of our fishing piers are bigger than others. So some may be open and others may be closed because you can't, um, you can't achieve that uh, space or distance. Uh, right now, we're, uh, we just opened today uh, to existing overnight reservations just to maintain that 50% capacity. And we hope very soon to introduce um, uh, uh, new overnight reservations to that opportunity for folks. And so we'll be announcing when we're able to plan for that and effectively do that. But sometime soon, we'll, that'll be the next step is, is new reservations for, um, for overnight. Um, the other thing I'll say is, uh, we, we don't cancel things until we, we know for sure that it's going to be unsafe to do so. So you mentioned our hunting, uh, activity. Hunting is a big part of some of the outdoor recreation we provide in state parks. 
Um, so we are um, want to do everything we can to maintain that if we can uh, effectively do it. So as things progress, right now our, our hunts are, are still available and still will will happen depending on uh, what happens with the with the COVID nineteen. Um, so things like that are still available, but you can still. Um, day use, you can hike and buy, you can still fish, you can still swim, you can still hang out with family, uh, you know, as long as they're part of your same household and you're socially distanced from, from other, uh, other members of other households, then you can still do all those things. And our, our staff is working hard to make sure we provide those amenities. So, um, as we progress, we have come up with a, uh, developing a roadmap to introducing some of the things like opening our visitor centers, opening our nature centers, when we will have uh, programming uh, again for our interpretive services. So we're, we're thinking through all of those now so that we can slowly uh, transition into offering more and more amenities as things, as the situation gets better. Kimberly, care to add anything to that? Um, it's hard because Rodney really covered all of that. He covered most of it. I, I think we're following a very same, the very exact same pattern that he is following, where we have um, an incremental plan of how to reestablish our operations, and um, it's it's based upon the health and safety, uh, and also it's based upon resources. So one thing that folks might not realize is that um, a lot of our summer operations in the Austin Parks and Recreation Department are very dependent upon. Um, temporary employees. And um, something that folks might not know is that as part of this um, entire event, we've had a, a, a short hiring freeze, meaning that we, we didn't want to hire individuals and use up some of the budget um, until we understood all characteristics of, of how this event was going to play itself out, both health and safety-wise, but also financially. And so as we begin to start to reestablish um, our operations, that means we're highly reliant upon a number of personnel. And so we can only um, offer our programs and services based upon the number of personnel that we currently have or however quickly we can um, uh, rehire or hire um, additional additional staff members. And so just to make everybody aware, we want to reestablish things. We want to do it just like Rodney said in a safe and healthy manner. And we also have to have the appropriate personnel to be able to do that. And so just know that as we make those decisions, we're making it upon, we're also making those decisions based upon how many personnel are there available to provide that service in a way that will um, be most conducive to the to the quality of the service and then to the health of the service. And um, it's pretty much Rodney covered the entire thing. I just wanted to add that one piece about personnel because I know we're all eager to get back out there, but we forget that there's real live people behind the scenes or even directly providing the program that um, may or may not exist at this point in time, but will exist in the near future, but it, it will take a little time to get them on board. Yeah, that's a great point. Kimberly, can I jump in real quick? <laughs> Please do. Um, I, that is a fantastic point, uh, Kimberly, and, I, and I'm glad you said that because you're 1000% correct. Um, we would love to be able to do everything that uh, we could whenever uh, at the at the right now. But you're absolutely right there. Uh, there are a ton. There's a ton of people impacted by uh, this COVID crisis, but our staff is one of the, those folks that are impacted. So um, we absolutely have to make sure that our operations fit what we can, uh, what our staff has the cap 
capacity to safely maintain. So I, I just wanted to say uh, kudos to you for bringing that up because it's a very, very important point and absolutely a critical piece to our, our metric of how we decide when and the timing of, of how things open up. So thank you for saying that. I just had to give her some kudos, Colin. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. Um, and, and I think we're sort of getting here to the end, but I wanted to kind of just reiterate to both of you and your, your substantial teams, a huge thanks from all of us that rely on parks, uh, for our physical, mental, emotional health. Um, they've been phenomenal. I could rattle off parks for days that my family, I've got two small kids have been in. Um, getting out of the house has become really important. Um, I never realized I was going to be a teacher while I was working from home and a bad uh, janitor and cafeteria worker as well. Um, but the, you guys are both doing such a great job and, and we're really just thankful to the work that you do. Um, and in closing, I'd just, I'd love to hear from both of you, Rodney, certainly on state parks and Kimberly on the city parks. If you'd tell us, uh, tell us your favorite, favorite one. <laughs> I'm not no falling pressure. for that, Colin. I'm not falling for that. No, I, I, um, I will, I guess I'll start, but, uh, I tell you, I, it's been such a joy, uh, leading, uh, this team of, uh, professionals and, folks that are dedicated to the mission of uh, connecting people to nature and getting folks outside. I have been just so impressed with every park that I've, I've gone to uh, and the staff and the, and the work that they put in and the commitment, especially it was never more evident than during this time uh, when the world and the state of Texas uh, was uh, in this crisis and we, we needed a place to connect the outdoors. I can't tell you how proud I am of the the teams out there who, uh, um, with um, little disregard for what was going on in their personal lives, to go ahead and come to work and connect people to the out outdoors is just was fantastic to see, and the innovation in which they um, did those things to make sure people could do it safely. Um, so, all of the parks in Texas are my favorite. Uh, I will tell you that I am. Uh, um, I do have an affinity for some of the fo- some of the parks that I've I've worked at for so long. So I I know uh, uh, where all the nooks and crannies are at uh, at Lake Bob Sandlin State Park, and uh, I know uh, uh, where all the nooks and crannies are at uh, Cooper Lake State Park. But the beautiful thing about Texas is like it truly is. Depending on where you go in the state, there's beauty to be found and it's diversity to be found. That is like no other part of the state. West Texas is different than East Texas and the coast is different than the panhandle. So I, I will tell you, um, all of the, the parks in Texas have something unique and something to offer. So I would just encourage everyone to find the, the what they love the most and find the park they love the most and enjoy life because life's better outside. Well, that's a diplomatic answer, and I'd expect nothing <laughs> less from you. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell, give you a plug for, uh, I spent many a time uh, back in the day, and I wish I could be there today because it's the most amazing social distancing place you've ever been, which is Big Bend State Park. Um, yeah. Most people only know the National Park. I, I think the State Park is some 300 or 400,000 acres, and uh-huh. uh, you know, I don't know that I've, other than the, the park ranger, I've never seen another person out there. So beautiful, 
place. I'd highly encourage folks to get out there if they ever have a chance. Kimberly, how about you? Are you going to give an equally diplomatic answer? Or do you have a favorite city park? I have a favorite city amenity, and that would be any of our trail systems. And so um, I have many dogs, four of them, and they all like to be outside with me. And so one of my favorite places to go within the park system and it's not just unique to the city of Austin. I also go on trails in the in the state park system. Um, dogs unleashed, just so everybody knows. Unless it's, <laughs> unless it's not allowed, I just want everyone yeah. to know. Um, but we, I love to hike with them, and I, I've used um, just about every trail in the Austin park system, and many many trails in the in the um, Texas park system. So that's my favorite amenity. And I would like to just um, echo what Rodney said: is that. No matter what it is that you like to do um, that's considered a leisure activity, be it outside, be it inside, be it art-based, be it nature-based, um, you know, the, the park system is a place where we create community. And it's an opportunity for people where, who are like-minded to come together and celebrate the thing that they love. Or it's an opportunity for people to, to diversify their interests and to learn about other people and learn about other cultures and other spaces and nature. And so... One of the best things that I love about the Austin Park System and any park system really is that opportunity to create community among those who are who are out and about in that space, um, willing to learn or willing to share. And so um, diplomatic, I hope, but I was a little more specific. Right? <laughs> I love trails. <laughs> a quick story. I've told Kimberly this, but I, I live close to Morris Williams Golf Course. And after this broke out, it was closed. So that, oh, it's, and I'm a runner. I thought, what a great time to go run on the golf course. And I'm an early bird. I wake up really early in the morning. And I went and ran on it. And of course, her team was out there mowing because you, you have to keep mowing golf courses. Um, and people were illegally playing golf, as they, I'm sure, continue to do throughout. And the, and the folks on her team that were mowing would stop and let these people play golf while they're out there trying to do their job, even though they're doing it illegally. And it's just... Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So again, just a huge thanks to both of you. You both do such a breadth of uh, things across the park spectrum, and we are thankful for what you do. I'm super thankful to both of you for being here today just to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on. Keep up the great work. Good luck with the summer decisions. I, I know they're tough, but uh, we're relying on you, and we're very thankful for the work you're doing. So thanks. Thank you for having us, Colin. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Season one of the Austin Parks cast is available now on your favorite podcast platforms. Do you have a question or topic you'd like us to talk about? You can leave us a voice message on our Anchor FM webpage at anchor.fm backslash Austin Parkscast. We might even play your message on the show. A friendly reminder that you can find all of 2020's Park Summit Sessions at austinparks.org backslash summit. Season two will kick off in a few weeks, so keep an eye out on Austin Parks Foundation's social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a follow if you haven't already. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. We want to say a special thanks to our year-round sponsors, ACL Music Festival, Wheatsville, Academy Sports and Outdoors, Austin Subaru, Cap Metro, Central National Bank, Cirrus Logic, Industry Print Shop, Northern Trust, Sage Creek Wealth of Raymond James, Siete Family Foods, Sunday, 
Tito's Handmade Vodka and Zilker Brewing. Austin Parks Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving parks, trails, and green spaces across our beloved city. Our tagline is People Plus Parks. We aim to give every Austinite a park within a 10-minute walk, no matter what part of town they call home. Everyone deserves a great park in their neighborhood. The Austin Parks cast is a production of Austin Parks Foundation. Find out more information about our Park Summit series and the work we do to improve parks for every Austinite at austinparks.org. <laughs>